SAFM Sports Wrap. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. I'm Brad Brown. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Half an hour of non-stop sporting action coming your way between now and 7 o'clock this evening. And thanks too to the MoneyWeb team. They're back again tomorrow at 6 p.m. Let's start with uh, stories making news headlines. The first test between the Proteas and Bangladesh got underway earlier today in Chittagong. Hashim Amla won the toss and chose to bat. The Proteas collapsed from 136 for one after lunch to 248. Eight all-out Temba Bavuma top scored with 54. We'll unpack the day's play with Natalie Germanis a little bit later on in this evening's show. Other cricket news, England have made one change to the squad that lost the second Ashes test to Australia. Johnny Bairstow comes in for Gary Balance for the third test that will be played at Edgbaston. Skolt Berger will captain the box on Saturday against New Zealand at Emirates Airline Park in Johannesburg. The 32-year-old assumes the captaincy from Victor Matfield, who's been ruled out of Saturday's test after picking up a hamstring strain against Australia this past weekend. The All Blacks have arrived on South African soil and eighth man Kieran Reid's relish the opportunity of playing in Johannesburg once again. It's a fun place to play as well so if you haven't been here before then you'll certainly enjoy it. Life is different to anything in New Zealand. Um, playing in South Africa is you know, passionate fans and Alice Park is their home or whatever it's called now. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's always a, a great game and uh, playing over here is a, a big test for us. New Zealand come off a big win against Argentina by 39 points to 18, while the box suffered defeat at the hands of Australia in the opening round of the Castle Lager Rugby Championship. Reid says that even though they beat the Pumas comfortably, they'll have to improve their performance if they want to beat the box. Yeah, I think we do have to take another step up. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a different test, especially coming over here to South Africa. And, um, you know the challenge they present, and they'll be hurting, I think, after last week, so... Um, yeah, we've got to improve, and as I said, I think before, you know, we've got to keep improving. We can't just rest on where we are right now. Um, you know, there's, we want to go out there and win this test match, and it's, it's really important, but our performance has to lift, and uh, we've got to keep doing that throughout the year. It's going to be a physical bruising encounter, and the number eight confirmed where they expect the box will try and dominate. I think they'll come at us up front, and I've got a pretty strong scrum, and and line out so they'll come at us there but they've also uh, probably looked to counter-attack I know last last year when you played in this fixture um, the boys out, out back um, you know played really well and made a lot of breaks so I'm sure they'll try and uh, continue that Jean de Villiers will continue his quest to regain full match fitness ahead of this year's World Cup. He'll start for Western Province against the EP Kings this coming Saturday after playing 60 minutes for Western Province this past weekend. He's expected to play another hour this coming weekend. Speaking of the Kings, they've parted ways with attack and specialist skills coach Carlos Spencer with immediate effect. In football, Manchester City defeated Roma 5-4 on penalties in their pre-season friendly encounter following a 2-all draw in full-time. New signing Raheem Sterling made his debut today as well and also found the back of the net. Meanwhile, Brazil legend Pele has been discharged from hospital that after successfully undergoing back surgery. In cycling news, it is a rest day at the Tour de France today, but that doesn't mean there's nothing to report on. Team Sky confirmed that they've shared more than a billion points of data with the UK anti-doping agency in a bid to quash speculation that their team leader, Chris Froome, is cheating. 
The Sky decided to release the data following a week of constant speculation and accusations thrown at the 30-year-old tour leader since his stage 10 victory in the Pyrenees obliterated the rest of the field. Froome leads the tour from Nairo Quintana by 3 minutes 10 seconds. BMC's TJ Van Garderen is currently in third. The good news for Team MT in Quebec is they currently second on the overall team classification. And finally, the Formula One world's mourning today as Jules Bianchi was laid to rest in his hometown of Nice. World champion Lewis Hamilton was among a number of Formula One drivers who paid their respects to the 25-year-old who passed away on Saturday following a horrific crash nine months ago at the Japanese Grand Prix. The world governing body yesterday announced that they would retire Bianchi's number 17 in respect of the young driver. SAFM Sports Wrap you're listening to SAFM Sports Wrap and uh, a very interesting day in Chittagong today. The Proti is up against Bangladesh. It is test match number one, day number one. Hashim Mamla won the toss. Uh, it started off pretty well and then just went horribly pear-shaped at the back end of the day's play. Natalie Germanis joins us now. Natalie, South Africa bundled out for 248. Yeah, I think I'll be a lot, uh, very surprised about that, of course, because winning the title shooting to bat first in Chittagong, a ground where day one average, you're looking at about 298. So they would have definitely been aiming around 300 on the first day, especially after they scored 104 runs in the first session. They looked, uh, they were scoring at just under four runs and over, and it looked relatively easy from their perspective. And Bangladesh just seemed very much out of their depth. But I think South Africa, considering um, that they won the South Coast to bat first, they'll feel very disappointed at the end of day one. Obviously, it's not over yet, but uh, they didn't play to their potential today. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about first day average of 298. That's obviously still batting, but to be bowled out for 248 within day one is, is a huge concern for the Proteas, and I think an even bigger concern is if you look at that batting scorecard, everyone in that top order getting in and then getting out. Yeah, and I think also what uh, you have to give credit, of course, to Bangladesh because as uh, much as South Africa will be disappointed with their efforts, Bangladesh were very, very clever. They obviously at lunchtime had a long discussion about what they were going to do in the second session. They went about their business very cleverly. They kept Shakib Alassane back where you would normally expect him to bowl quite a lot. And he was kept back for quite a long time, very deep into the second session, he only bowled. And also they decided to go more with the seamers, which South Africa wouldn't have planned for. They kept it very, very quiet. They didn't allow South Africa to score. The run rate eventually in that session went down to around one and a half. And all of a sudden, South Africa found themselves trying to force the pace. They ended up losing a couple of wickets, and they got themselves into all sorts of trouble. But from a batting perspective, definitely the starts on a good pitch, Dean Algarve have to perceive both getting starts, not going on to make the big scores, they'll be disappointed. When you look at the scorecard, Timber Babuma made 54, but he made that in, in a situation where South Africa were in all sorts of trouble. So it was a brilliant innings by him, and he was the last man that got out in the end. So for South Africa, the top order definitely would be disappointed. Hashimamla didn't look very good today, and he'll be disappointed with how he went out as well. Yeah, you, you mentioned Temba Bavuma, 54 is what, what he added, the only half century of the innings. Dean Alga added 47. But uh, interesting selection. If you, if you look at the, the, the team makeup, uh, Dean Alga, Stian van Sale uh, opening the batting, Faf Duplessis at three, then Amla Bavuma, JP Dumini, Quinton de Kock batting uh, away down the order, and then straight into the bowlers, Vernon Philander, Simon Harmer, Dale Stan, and Mornay Morkel. Yeah, look, um, from a selection perspective, a lot of us expected Reza Hendricks to make his debut uh, because there was so much spoken about him opening the batting and possibly being the next man to open for South Africa. But 
Before Reza Hendricks' name even came on the scene as a possible opener and also being selected in the squad, they were looking at Stian van Sel as an opener. Uh, he had been moved up as a, a part of his uh, franchise side of the Cobras, asked to actually open over there to show what he can do and if he can handle opening the batting and, of course, getting ready for the process. And, and that was always in the plan. So as much as we all expected Reza Hendricks to make his debut, it was expected that Stian van Sel before that would actually possibly open up the batting. He, he did so, and he looks pretty good today, but he'll be disappointed that he got out for 34. Then from there on, obviously things are going to be different because no A.B. de Villiers in the series. Uh, Alvira Peterson has retired as well. J.P. Germany comes back into the side after he missed out on the West Indies series because he was injured. So there's a couple of uh, changes, of course, and Quinton de Kock will move down. Bruno Philander batting at eight uh, definitely doesn't uh, say anything bad about the South African order because he's a very strong batsman and coming in at eight, it does mean that South Africa bat very, very low down. Um, but unfortunately for South Africa, things just didn't quite go right and there was a bit of um, mayhem, especially in that final session of the day. Oh, absolutely. Bangladesh will have their tails up. They'll be very satisfied with, with day one. They managed to, to make it to stumps without losing a wicket. Uh, how can South Africa bounce back from this? They've got to, they've got to take early wickets tomorrow. All right, take lots of them. Yeah, I think early wickets will be on the cards for South Africa. Obviously, they want to try and keep the runs quiet. This is now the, the juggling act that they've got to perform because they want to keep the runs quiet because they didn't put that much on the board. They don't want Bangladesh to get too far ahead because batting as as the test match goes on, it's, it's just going to get more and more difficult. Uh, it's not going to be easy on days four and day five if we obviously get that far. But for a South African point of view, they need to take wickets as well. So now you've got to find a way to keep the runs quiet, but also take wickets. And a most attacking-minded players will tell you the way to keep the runs down is to take wickets. So for South Africa, obviously, I expect them to be very attacking in the morning session. They're not going to make it easy from a Bangladesh perspective. A couple of the Bangladeshi batsmen are, are in pretty good form at the moment, so they'll be hoping that they can make it count in their own conditions. Uh, but it's not going to be easy against a South African attack because... As much as South Africa doesn't have their full test 11, they still have uh, one of their, the strongest bowling lineups in the world with Dale Stade, Vernon Philander, Mornay Morkel, and then the likes of Simon Harmon to come. So they've got a very, very strong bowling lineup. Natalie, looking at this Bangladesh side, we, we knew that from a one day perspective they would give South Africa a, a decent run. We didn't think they'd win the series, which they did end up doing. They've been tough to beat at home. Are we seeing a resurgence, or I say resurgence, uh, I mean, a, a Bangladesh side who now believes in themselves and, and believes they can beat the best in the world? They've been minnows for so long, but you, you can't discount that anymore, particularly playing in Bangladesh. Yeah, you can't really call them Minos anymore because uh, they've had test cases for so long and um, they've done well in World Cups. I wouldn't really refer to them as Minos. Um, from a test perspective, they've got a long way to go. They still haven't been at the, the, the sort of stage where they will really compete from a test perspective. From a one-day perspective, they are doing brilliantly well and they've formed a very, very good 50 over side. And most people say yes, but it was in their own conditions that they beat South Africa and India, and they know those conditions in Pakistan. But they did well at the World Cup as well. They played very, very sensible cricket. They've worked out a way to put together better partnerships, but still able to play their own type of game, which is very risky. They like a lot of flair with their batting in particular. They love to be attacking. They found a way 
to play sensibly but still bring out their own personalities and their own character when it comes to batting. And that's something that they've been lacking for a very long time. Um, they've still got a long way to go when it comes to proving themselves in the test format, but as a one-day side, they are proving to be very formidable. And the likes of Pakistan and West Indies, we are now seeing um, struggling to actually even qualify for the Champions Trophy in 2017. Well, they say you can only really judge a pitch until both teams have batted on it, and we'll see what happens tomorrow in Bangladesh. Resume their second innings on seven without loss. Natalie Germanis, thank you very much for that. We'll have live crossings throughout the day again tomorrow and the rest of the Test Series from Bangladesh right here on SAFM. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, as you heard from Natalie, the Proteus bundled out for just 2.48 and Temba Bavuma top scored with a half century as wickets continued to tumble around him. Bavuma was quick to admit following the day's play that it was not their best day out in the middle, but they will bounce back tomorrow. I think one has to sometimes admit it and be bold. I think it wasn't our best day. You know, I mean, we were on top there at lunch at about 130 or so for one. To be bundled out for about 2.50 is not our best day. You know, we haven't taken any team lightly. Bangladesh skills were just on top, but tomorrow, you know, I'm sure we'll be coming back fighting even harder. With the Proteus collapsing from 136 for one after lunch to 248 all out, Bavuma says uh, that as the day wore on, it became more and more difficult to score with the ball gripping on the surface, and Bangladesh saw the gap and took it. I think the wicket for me it was quite slow, so trying to adapt to the wicket was a bit more of a challenge. Trying to score as well was also a bit more of a challenge with the ball not coming onto the wicket and keeping a bit low. But yeah, you know, the Bangladeshis, you know, they bowled quite well. They made life hard for us. When we had the opportunity to try to get a bit of momentum in our innings, we kind of lost it there you know maybe mentally we were a bit weak at times those things happen you know the guys had their game plans and unfortunately you know our game plans didn't you know stick us through today for the Bangladeshis uh, Mustafiza Rahman was the pick of the bowlers he bagged 4 for 37 and Bavuma said he was tough to play on a difficult pitch yeah definitely I think with the new ball it was a bit more easier with the ball you know coming onto the bat you know with the wicket playing a bit more consistently and as the ball got older and the ball got softer it got a bit harder to try score and pierce the gaps you know like I said the guys didn't really give us much um, freebies to score off so yeah it did get tough as the ball got older for the Bangladesh you know that's where the momentum swung in their favour from that point you know they just kept on nailing it down on us you know we weren't able to recover from that and yeah it was a brilliant spell from Mustafiz. For Bavuma it was a confidence building innings 108 balls he took to get his 54 and he was happy that he could uh, contribute when the team is facing tough times. Yeah I was quite pleased it's always nice you know to make some kind of a contribution to the team especially when it's your country I think as all me being my first you know kind of meaningful contribution to the team it kind of meant a bit more and it kind of gave me that bit of confidence to know that I can actually play at this level. It is going to be a tough day for the Proteus tomorrow, but the Bizarre Highfelt Lions top water batsman believes that patience will be the key. Definitely the wicket will get slower, so it will kind of make life trying to score a bit harder. We'll be trying to exploit that, trying to keep that run rate as low as possible, and try and make life as hard as possible for them as they did for us. We covered all bases, we made everyone aware of the challenges that we're going to face, and like you just said, you know, wickets falling in clusters. When a wicket falls, to just try, you know, refocus again. So, you know, like I said, today just wasn't our day, and hopefully tomorrow we can, you know, make it up. Yeah, I think patience is a big thing we're not gonna just roll them over their guys can bet by just being patient you know with a lot of control keep that run rate as low as possible and wait for any mistake that they make SAFM Sports Wrap 104 to 107 FM, this is SAFM, I'm Brad Brown, and this past weekend saw Banyana Banyana uh, almost put a massive mountain in their way uh, on the way to the Rio Olympic Games, but uh, so far so good, it was uh, a nail-biter in the end, a 1-0 victory 
over Kenya at the Dobsonville Stadium. And uh, it's a pleasure to welcome Banyana Banyana captain, Tanine Favake, onto uh, SAFM Sports Trap. Tanine, welcome onto the show. Uh, my shattered nerves. You guys need to stop doing that. <laughs> yes, definitely. It was no batting stuff <laughs> over the weekend. Uh, but, yeah, we managed to win, so that's a good thing. 1-0, it was a, a goal uh, right at the end from Lerato Rampele, and 1-0 uh, going into the, the return leg, uh, that was the first leg of, of uh, your third round qualifiers, uh, having that, that slim advantage going into, into uh, the, the return leg is a, is a, a huge advantage, not, not just from, a, from a, a lead, but also psychologically knowing that you, you've won and, and you take a bit of confidence in. Yeah, we're definitely happy with the win. Uh, we managed to get three points, uh, which is the main thing. But it puts a little bit of pressure on us because we know Kenya is a really, you know, competitive team. They, uh, team, they physically very strong and, um, they came out in full force. Obviously they played a lot more defensive over the weekend and we know that that's not how they're going to be playing, um, at home. They're going to open up a lot of spaces for us and hopefully, uh, by doing that, we will be able to penetrate them and score goals. But uh, they're a good team, and we just have to make double sure that we don't concede any goal. Even if we come home with a draw, um, it will be good enough for us. But uh, that is not our style of play. We like to go forward and score goals. Um, so it's going to be a quite an open game and interesting one too. Janine, you, you, you mentioned that uh, Kenya here were, were very defensive and these home and away games are difficult like that. And, and you mentioned the style that Banyana Banyana plays and, and Vera Pau is, 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 is pretty firm on that, that she wants you guys to play attacking football. But it's difficult. You don't want to concede goals at, at home, particularly in a format like this, because it could count against you at the end of the day. Yes, definitely. Um, we are not a team to sit back. I mean, if we're going to be sitting back and defend all 90 minutes, uh, we are bound to concede a goal. So we also need to attack. Um, like I said, they're going to be playing, um, you know, they're going to have a lot of open spaces because of their attack. Um, and we could capitalize on their weaknesses. Uh, we know that their goalkeeper, very good goalkeeper, um, she handles the ball pretty well. Obviously, one mistake um, allowed us to score that goal. But Maybe we deserved it because we really did well over the weekend. It was a lucky goal, but it was well-deserved for us. Um, but we can capitalize on their weakness and try and take as many shots as possible at the keeper, especially a half shot, because that's where we can, where we, we, that's where the, her weakness is. But we'll see how the game goes, but it's going to be a really, really tough one. Janine, Kenya looked very organised. They, they were disciplined. Where do you think we can improve in 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 the return leg? Well, we had majority. We had the the ball majority of of the match, uh, ball possession. Um, I think if we had stretched them out a bit, but Kenya obviously wouldn't allow us to do that, and they uh, didn't care whether we we spread the ball out wide or not. They had about. 10 players in front of goal that we, we, it was difficult for us to break the defense line. And I think we've also never really played a team that is so compact in front of goals and so difficult to break, um, that it was, that made it difficult for us at the end of the day. But, um, it's going to be a total, uh, totally different match, um, in two weeks time. So we'll see how it goes. 
Clearly, there's a, there's a lot at stake. Uh, spot at Rio is, is what you, you are chasing. There's still a, a long way to go here. But how often is that getting spoken about in the squad at the moment? Or is it not even, not even a thought that it's a case of, you know what, let's focus on the next game. We need to beat Kenya. Uh, come away with at least a draw. Or, or are you thinking about the bigger picture? Is that the carrot that's been dangled in, in front of you? Well, it's a bit of both. Um, the girls know that we need to, we're doing this to qualify for the Olympics. And there's a lot of girls that haven't played at that level just yet. There's a whole lot of new girls that come in and they haven't played at that level. So they're really hungry to get to the Olympic Games as well. But keeping in mind that we're taking it step by step too. Um, but the only way we're going to be qualifying for this major event is if we win our games. And right now we, we're stuck in the mud at the moment um, with Kenya. Uh, we know that we have to come up with a huge win and a really good performance as well um, for us to move ahead. So we're taking it step by step. We know that uh, there are more hurdles and obstacles ahead of us, um, another game, if we do overcome Kenya. So... We're taking a step by step, but we, we're still aware that we're really, really pushing to get to the Olympics. Yeah, still a long way to go. If we do overcome Nigeria, over Kenya, it's Nigeria, Equatorial Guinea that awaits. Janine from Vic, thank you so much for your time this evening on SAFM Sports Trap. Best of luck uh, for, for the next couple of weeks, the preparation, and then obviously the travel uh, up north to, to face Kenya. Best of luck, and we look forward to, to chatting again soon. Thank you so much, and thanks for all the support you guys give us. Really appreciate it. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. The standoff between SAFA and its school affiliate, SASFA, is getting ugly. And as things stand, only a political solution by the leadership of the two bodies can solve the situation. This is the opinion of SASFA President Mandla Shuzmazi Buko following their annual general meeting this past weekend, where some crucial decisions were taken. At stake is SAFA's decision to take over the running of schools football. SABC sport journalist Flile Mbule also discovered that SASFA staff members were locked out of the offices at SAFA House in this interview with Mazibuko. It is just unfortunate that uh, a matter that could easily be resolved around the table is allowed to drag on. Myself included, I I believe that uh, we should uh, look at ourselves as leaders. Football is led by an esteemed uh, Dr. Jordan. I've been around I don't think we need this in football. I know him very well, he knows me very well. If we sit together and discuss, uh, let's rather deadlock and know what is it that we're deadlocking on. Because as things stand, we interacted, we have taken resolutions, they have taken the resolutions. We seem not to be knowing who, where are we getting to. So this past weekend, SASFA had its uh, special congress, and then we had our normal AGM thereafter. Unanimously, the provinces just say, go back, talk to the mother body. Can someone tell us what is happening? What is it we want? We should have had negotiations to say, this is what, as our, as our child, want you to do. No father wakes up and throws his son away without any apparent reason. You first talk to your child, warn him several times, give him options, punish the child. If all else fails, you never throw 
uh, the child uh, with a, uh, a path. However, we say the mandate that we're giving was to uh, vigorously try and force negotiations because this matter can only be resolved by negotiations. So since uh, that period where you were supposed to meet, there's been no progress. I must say that there's been no progress. Two meetings were held, and uh, after those two meetings could not yield any result, uh, we have written to the association to escalate the matter to the senior uh, echelon, the management committee of SAFA, to meet with the management committee of SASO, so that at that level we might find common ground. Because it is not in our interest, not in the interest of the sport, not in the interest of the mother body, to be having this much slinging. All that we are asking for is let's sit around the table. If we are wrong, I'll come back to you, Vedil, and say, as schools, we should have known better. The mother body told us one, two, three, we did not do it. It's our mother body, and nobody's. And the Congress on Saturday mentioned. Uh, to say nobody is questioning uh, that Safa is the custodian of football in the country. But we say, as our mother body, lead us, guide us, educate us, capacitate us, tell us where we have gone wrong. Don't just wish us away because we have a, a, a duty. These kind of things that we are doing, I don't think it is the sponsors uh, appreciate the match. The sponsors were present and uh, they expressed. Uh, a view that they would like to see an amicable resolution because all they are doing is for the development of football whether the child is at Sasfa is anywhere else and allegedly today is a Bafana Bafana household so is Mandlas Masang so is Happy Jen so is all the other players that have come through our ranks so why do we want to to, 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 to destroy that that legacy is so rich why fix it? It's not broken. But if it needs to be modified, it needs to be strengthened here and there. We are open. Let's, let's talk about it. Why can't we talk about it? Let's not wish each other away. It's not in the interest of anybody unless people have something we don't know. And we call upon the whole country to force all of us to sit down on the table. We will welcome anybody to mediate on this matter, because it's not a matter that is difficult. Uh, if there is really, really genuine fundamentals that we need to do, uh, like father to son, let's talk. But what's the impression that you're getting? Because we hear now that this morning even your staff couldn't be allowed to go to the office and work. I'm not so sure uh, about that yet, because... I started here at the Coca-Cola, and most of the staff are here with us. But uh, these are the kind of things that have a negative effect. Surely in any decent society, if uh, uh, you don't want anybody in your property, you have the right to evict them. Uh, you can't lock them out. Just tell them to pack and go, and if that is the way you want to do. But if indeed there is a lockout, uh, we would only I'll cross that bridge when I reach it. I would not want to talk about it because I've not officially heard why, what happened, and so forth. 
the association could have just written to us and say, please, from this day, this is what you should be doing. And uh, we would never undermine them. But for as long as we do something within the confines of our constitution and the laws of the country, would never do anything stupid and anything illegal to undermine anybody uh, unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. What are the other options going forward, Pashus? Well, our rights are reserved, uh, Valile. I'm not going to talk about uh, some of those. The, the, the Congress instructed us that within 14 days, uh, try anything, everything, sit down and talk, rather deadlock in the talks, and then if that is the case, we'll go back and say, hey, this is what are the issues, can we accede or what have you. Uh, but if uh, within that period uh, negotiations can work, there are legal uh, 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 options available for us. We would not want to comment around them, uh, but uh, the council clearly indicated us we would, would follow uh, the constitution will follow the laws of the country in, in pursuing our case. But for now, we still are adamant and optimistic that uh, this matter can be resolved. Because I'm still, I'm still dumbfounded. I can't tell what has happened. Just last year in July, uh, you would recall that the president of SAFA addressed the Congress of SASA. He spoke so well. He encourages us. We're having those on record. In October, Safa sent the CEO, Mr. Mambul, to our strategic uh, workshop in Mahalisbek to present how the schools, how Safa must align within the vision 2022. What has suddenly happened? We, we don't know. Honestly, we, we're all shocked. We're all surprised. We say, President, we are your children. CEO, we have a strategic document with your input. We went into serious financial uh, means. We paid a lot of money over the weekend. It was not a holiday that we were doing there. What has happened to all those plans? Why a sudden turn? That's why we say, if really uh, there is something that we have done and we are found to be on the wrong side, I want to repeat. I'm the first leading this organization. I would not give people a trouble. I'll step down. Mm-hmm. Anybody were to say, no, 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 but this is what is wrong that we have done as an organization and you are leading it, I would not block the way of progress and development in the country. But for now, we can't even tell what, what is it that is happening. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Finally, Brashus, did the FA come to your AGM this weekend? The FA was invited, the FA did not come, and uh, that's another sorry state of affairs. That was SASFA President Mandla Shoes Mazibuko closing the interview with Valile Mbuli. SAFM Sports Wrap. That's it for SAFM Sports Wrap. Do be in touch. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook and just uh, look for SAFM Sports Wrap. Coming up next, it is the talk shop. I'm Brad Brown. Don't forget, you can also catch another wrap of your sport tomorrow morning on AM Live with Janet Whitten. Until tomorrow, have yourself a great evening. It is 7 o'clock in time for your news.